Hey friends, welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast during this season of Advent. My name is Steve Weens, and I'm a pastor and an author, but I'm also a Transforming Community alumnus from way back in 2011. As always, I'm alongside Transforming Center founder and my dear friend, Ruth Haley Barton, as we explore the themes of Advent as a season of transformation, in which we invite the presence of Christ's light into the darkness. We'd like to invite you to consider using these episodes as spiritual practices during the season of Advent. So maybe consider lighting a candle and listening to them in a quiet place in your home instead of listening while driving or exercising. You might also consider listening to each week's scripture passages daily, even after you've listened to the content of each episode. If you'd like to listen to an audio file of the scriptures only for each of the weeks of Advent, simply go to the episode notes and find the link. Lastly, we hope you'll head on over to transformingcenter.org patron and consider becoming a patron of our podcast. If you do so at any level, you'll receive a free download of the Reflections for Cycle B for Advent so you can follow along as we have our conversations in each episode. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Psalm 126 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, 
the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negeb. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Everybody, welcome to the third Sunday of Advent here in Year B, Keeping It Real. Uh, Ruth, I love this little exercise we've been doing and starting the podcast with noticing which scripture passages seem to uh, light the way for us. So uh, what's one that has shimmered for you? Mm. Well, all of the passages are so, so rich, but I will say that the phrase that stands out to me by far is Isaiah 61, 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. And I know that part of the reason for that is that we are struggling so much in our culture right now with the issue of justice and not just justice, but equality and equity and the differences in those terms. So I just find myself um, 
riveted by that phrase and wondering what what does it look like for us to love justice through this season if um, we are allowing the, the character and the nature and the essence of Christ to be formed in us. What does it look like for us to let justice and a love of justice be formed in us? Not just something to put on because it's the cool thing right now, but that it's really formed in us to the extent that we love justice. We can't stop talking about it. We can't stop seeing the places where there is injustice. We can't keep ourselves from jumping in where we could make a difference as it has to do with justice. Um, and, and even Isaiah 61 in the early parts talks about some of the real categories um, that the, that the, you know, the anointed one comes to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners. Um, and then of course the whole, the whole story of Advent takes place with immigrants being the main characters in the story. So I'm quite riveted right now by the the love of justice being a part of who God is and as we're formed in Christ and that becomes part of who we are as well. And I wonder what could that look like this season for us? Well, I am too. And I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you went right to Isaiah 61. Of course, many of you will recognize that's the, you know, the sort of sermon Jesus gives uh, right there in Luke four. Uh -huh. uh, but I would notice too, when he, that litany sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release of the prisoners. I think there's a, there's a tendency for some of us to read that as metaphor, you know, like mm -hmm. the release from the prisoners, prisoners of my own sin. And certainly that is what that is. But what if we read that literally, mm -hmm. you know, like what if, and we started to look at some of the unjust uh, systems of when people get incarcerated and, whew, you know, yes. uh, that would be keeping it real too, wouldn't it, Ruth? Yes, I it mean, would. Yeah. Oof. And in a way that is beyond signal virtuing, you know, saying the right things at the right times to look like you care about the right things at the right times. I've never heard right that places. phrase signal virtuing. Tell me this. Or signal Tell posturing. Me what that means. Well, it's like maybe someone races to get on Twitter to be the first, you know, person to say, hey, you better care about this thing yeah. that just happened. Um, you know, it's a it's a signal posturing or, or virtuing uh, is is a way of looking Mm -hmm. looking more than really like, caring about the more thing than really itself. caring. And, mm -hmm. and I want to be careful. It's like, you know, I feel like at times being called out even for that can get really, really tiresome. Like, cause now you're just constantly trying to figure out what someone's motivation is. And that's certainly not mm -hmm. what I'm doing here, but I do think it's a reality that, you know, there's a difference between doing the tireless, hard, long work for justice and trying to get a hot, you know, I was going to say hot flash, not a hot flash, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a hot take, you know, trying to be the first to say the coolest thing. And I think that that's a great temptation these days on social media for sure. Yes, it is. Thank you for naming that because yeah. I've given up on being the next hot thing. But <laughs> Steve, if you're still working on that. Oh my gosh. I haven't been the next hot thing for so long that oh it's so far God. in the rearview mirror. That's so awesome. I love it. Um, oh, you know, days. I think we're going to, I think justice will weave its way in and out of this uh, mm. episode. At least I hope. 
that it will. But as we go into the gospel from John 1, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. There's this uh, invitation for us, maybe on the third Sunday of Advent, of keeping it real. What are we learning from John uh, about knowing who we are and knowing who we're not? Well, given the conversation we just had, I think it happens on two levels, doesn't it? We're keeping it real in our culture and what's really going on in our culture, and then we're keeping it real within ourselves and our sense of self, and it's both all the time. It's never just looking outward to the culture or just looking inward at myself. It's keeping it real in both places. So keeping it real in the culture is the place where we are right now, and that is acknowledging injustice and... um, inequity and the need for reparation. Like I've even been seeing the idea of restoration and recompense and all that reminds me of this whole conversation about reparation, which is something that needs to be done in the culture overall. But then for our personal lives too, to have a sober mindedness about who we are, reminds me of Romans 12, you know, where Paul says um, that we are to be sober minded about who we are and not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And I think John's doing that for us. He's just showing that right here. Yes, he's a prophet. That's that was his job. He was not the Messiah. He was not Jesus. He knew that. But he did also know what he was. And that is that he was a prophet who was sent to witness and testify to the light. And so there is quite a trick to that, isn't there, of knowing who you're not but then fully embracing who you are and being sure that you're really faithful to that. And I see John doing that here. He clearly knows who he's not. He's not the Messiah. He's not even pretending to be the Messiah, but he does know he's a prophet and he does know what his job is and it's to testify and it's to prophesy. And so that's what he does. He testifies tirelessly to the light of Jesus who is coming. So Ruth, what is the invitation that you think John the Baptist might be giving us? as we look into the third Sunday of Advent here? Well, one of the things that I think is just so remarkable about John is that he was so clear on who he was and who he wasn't. Um, So he knew he was not the Messiah, that he wasn't Jesus. I think some of us as leaders sometimes get that part wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We think we are the Messiah for everyone. Um, It's really important to know that we're not. Can I just say that? It's really important for us to know that we are not the Messiah. And then John, though, also knew that he had a very strong role to play, and that was to be a prophet and to testify to the things that he had seen. So he seemed to be very grounded in who he was and and who he wasn't, which I think there's a tremendous freedom in that. Um, But I'm having a really weird experience in this COVID uh, situation, and that is that... That's so weird, Ruth, that you're having a weird experience in COVID, because the rest of us are just skating through it. We're doing (laughs) fine. What is wrong with me, Steve? Help me. Please tell me about your weird experience. I'm dying to hear it. Um, As it has to do with this, you know, I have a really strong sense of who I am and what I'm supposed to be about in the world. And I've been really clear on it, you know, for a long time, and it's why the Transforming Center is what it is. But now I'm in a season where I'm being forced to move into areas that I would say they're not who I am. I hate the virtual world. And I, I never in a million years would have even considered doing virtual experiences or virtual retreats or anything like that. And now I'm being called to transcend the sense of myself that I thought I had and to do things that I don't want to do that, that aren't really who I am simply because it's what other people need right now. There's no other way 
to offer anything except through these methods and means that are not natural for me at all. So on the one hand, I live knowing who I am and what I'm called to do. And then on the other hand, I'm being called to transcend it and do something completely different. So I think many leaders are finding themselves in that place that the these essential things that they do know how to do, which is pastoring and preaching to a real congregations that's right there rather than preaching into a camera, you know, or oh, a yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Um, that many of us are are finding ourselves knowing who we are and what comes most naturally to us, but we can't do any of it the way that we used to. And I, there's, a, there's a certain frustration in that. There's a certain low-level anxiety and sometimes even depression about the fact that you do know who you are and you can't do the thing you know how to do because everything's changing. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I'm experiencing this funny little place in our shared experience right now. Thanks for going there because I think so many of us feel similarly. I know I have a group of pastors that I talk to very regularly and early on many of them were saying things like I'm being forced to like be an expert in Zoom and live yeah. streaming and yeah. I don't have any interest in that. I don't like it. I feel like a fool half of the time and I'm not getting to do the things I that I feel like I'm good at and like to do and I think right. I'm an introvert, but I've talked to pastors who are extrovert these extroverts these days, and they are dying mm -hmm. because some of the natural and even healthy ways that they uh, yes. feel affirmed in who they are is being around people. And when they can't be that and do that, it's. I think it is. You said depression. I think you're right, and that's not mm -hmm. understating it, or I'm yeah. sorry, overstating it. That that is a real reality for many of us these days. Right. And the things that you know how to do to be a good pastor, you know, visitation and going to yeah. be with people in hospitals and visiting the elderly and things like that. And you know that, that the elderly and people are just suffering and you can't go do the thing that you know how to do, which is give them the, the, the gift of your presence of praying with them or reading scripture with them or sitting just with them quietly. And you as a pastor have all that in your heart and you cannot do what you're called to do and what you know is in you to do. And there is something about that that's really tragic, I will say. Um, I think it's just tragic, not because of sort of self-realization, self-actualization, but more that you know that the people in your congregation are not getting what what you had, well, what should even be able to be expected, that your pastor could come visit you. I mean, yeah. that's a basic expectation yep. of pastoral ministry. Yep. Um and we can't do it, even though we know to do it, we know how to do it, we're gifted to do it, we want to do it, but we can't do it. And I think part of keeping it real in this season for us, part of knowing who we are and knowing who we're not, this is just my statement, is like, what are the ways of thinking that I need to kind of come against mm -hmm. uh, that if I give in to them, then I, I won't be who I am, you know, like I can only be who I am if I'm in person with, with people in mm -hmm. front of a crowd, or I can only be who I right. am if, um, if I'm getting affirmed as in doing the pastoral duties or how challenging it is just to be around our families 24 seven mm -hmm. for month after month after month, <laughs> you know, and it forces us into like doing like, ah, I'm not even myself anymore. Uh, yeah. so John the Baptist in his really bizarre way, I think does give us an invitation. Yeah. And one of the things that I, th I think I've had to accept really like accept, and maybe we all need to accept is that, um, 
there are moments now where all you can do is give the little thing that you can. Yes. Um, so like some of our transforming communities where we could not be together on retreat, all we could do is give them a zoom call where they could get together in their chat rooms with their small groups. And you just feel so much like you're giving them less than what you know how to give and less than what they need. But sometimes all you can do is what you can do. And so that's what I've had to sort of accept is this isn't my best offering. Yeah. It's not what I ever saw myself doing. It's really, really hard, but it is what I have to offer. And the, you know, the God that multiplied five loaves and two fishes, can you please multiply this simple, humble offering of myself to make it food for other people? Yes. To me, that's, that's where I have to sit these days when what I'm giving is so much not what I'm used to being able to do. You know, back to justice, okay? Because for most of us, and uh, from I'm white, you're white, and I think for any of us who are white and are trying to learn about justice and lean into it, there's an area where mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing and I don't mm -hmm. feel like myself and I, I feel yeah. like I have so much to learn and I fumble and mm -hmm. stumble. And, you know, do I, am I tempted to sometimes say, this is not who I am. I mean, this is, that, right. that's someone else's work, mm -hmm. Howard Thurman, MLK, yeah. you know, but it's not my work. But then you read Isaiah 61 <laughs> And I don't yeah. know if I have the luxury of saying justice is not my work, you know? So keeping it real when we're trying to learn something new, like practicing justice uh, requires a whole lot of humility and being willing to look foolish. I think, don't you think, Ruth? Yeah, and give the little thing that you can. Give the little even thing that you can. Even if you can't can. solve the whole big problem, and even if you feel really awkward doing the one small thing you can do, there's... There, there has to be the willingness, though, to, to walk into that and trust God to make it what will matter, mm. um, to make it something mm. rather than the nothing that you feel like it is. Because, you know, when you know, when you look at the whole big thing that needs to be dealt with, our one little offering doesn't feel like much. But um, if, if we do that with faithfulness, the one little thing, if each of us did the one little thing that was given to us to do, um, I think we'd be surprised probably what could happen. But there's a certain humility in knowing that you're not doing the whole big thing. You know, yes. and you're just accepting the one little thing you can do. And there's a certain humility in that, isn't there? Well, don't you, what if the real change that could happen in the world is accomplished by all the little things? Mm -hmm. And the thing that gets in the way is us thinking we have to do the big thing. And so we don't do anything, that's right. you know, that's, that's right. like, how amazing would that be? If that's what's in the way yeah. <laughs> is actually of yeah. not realizing that it's only the little things. Mm -hmm. It's always and only right. the little things. Mm -hmm. Or the called thing, you know, the thing that we're right. called to do right now um, versus being able to do everything. Well, Steve, I wanted to ask you, you know, because I kind of went off on the justice yeah. part, but you also, I think, probably heard something from the Lord in these scriptures. What did you hear? Yeah, well, I, you know, First Thessalonians chapter 5, the last couple of verses, 23 and 24, just shouted at me in a really sweet way. Shouted in a sweet way? I don't know if I can say mm -hmm. that. Whispered to me in a sweet way, maybe. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely mm -hmm. and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ and then this last verse the one who calls you is faithful and he will do this amen steve you mean i don't Come have to do it all people <laughs> oh oh you know sound 
in bo- and blameless in spirit and soul and body. And yes, God will do this. Mm-hmm. God is faithful. Amen. Gosh, Amen. I just love that. Mm-hmm. That's one I'm going to be sitting with, I think, in the weeks to come. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good, good space, maybe, Ruth, to transition into being led into some silence and prayer, don't you think? Yeah. Yes. So we like to offer up at least one practice, maybe a couple. Um, I definitely think that what God has brought out of these scriptures for us would be the question of justice. And is there even anything in this season of Advent that we could do to contribute to a more just society, even in in our own small circles, but also in the bigger circles? What is ours to do? What's mine to do? How can I not only love justice, but also act justly? And is there something that's mine to do this season? to make our world a more just and equitable place. Um, and then I think this um, willingness to be so reminded about ourselves, to get clear and clear on who we are, who we're not, and then even when we know that, to be willing to transcend it when God says this is yours to do, even though you don't think it fits, this is what you need to do right now and being willing to transcend. And I think that takes us out of um, this kind of self-focused, self-actualization kind of mindset, but it's more to the best of my ability. I know who I am. I'm going to live as the person that I am rather than the person that I'm not. But God, when you call me to transcend all of it and just do what you ask me to do, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Um, and that feels like a really good, a good space to be in yeah. at this point. And so let's um, enter into our prayer and enter into our silence by lighting our candle Placing our feet flat on the ground, sitting up straight, back straight, as a place of alertness before the Lord, hands open so that we can receive what God has for us. And allow these words to lead us into some quiet waiting on the Lord. O God of peace, I pray that you will sanctify me entirely, even during this season of busyness and distraction. May my spirit and soul and body be kept sound, even as the world around me gets more and more frantic, and blameless, even as I am tempted to give up and give in to all of it. I do so desire to be awake and alert to all the ways the Lord Jesus Christ comes into my life amid the impossibility of full days. Oh God, I know you are faithful and that you can do all this.
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. We're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Communities Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian leaders. You can explore the next Transforming Community by visiting transformingcenter.org slash transformingcommunity. The music on this episode comes from a recording produced by the Transforming Center called Advent, Music and Solitude. The scriptures on this week's episode were read by Mary Martin Weens. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you listen. And please also consider supporting us by becoming a patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron.